everyone. Uh, welcome to Pass the Mic. This is Anarima. This is Diera, and we're here today. And this is our Black History Month episode. Uh, we've invited three guests across the diaspora to talk about blackness, importance of black history, preserving black culture, and unity among people across the diaspora. We talked about what mesmerizes us about being black, as well as the deep cultural roots that we carry around the diaspora, and why they are always so hard to stop. I guess the question that I want to start off with is, when did you learn about black history? I started learning about black history from a very young age because I went to a minority high school. So it was very deliberately taught so that way all of their students would know their history and backgrounds. So from second grade, through 12th grade, we always learned about it throughout the entire year, not only in Black History Month, and they made sure to cover a wide variety of aspects of Black history, not just the stereotypical Mm. U.S. uh, history. Mm -hmm. Um, I think mine was kind of the opposite, so I moved around a lot. I've been to like seven different schools, so like it was always the cookie cutter Black History Month, Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. a little right. bit of Malcolm X here and there. Right. A little um, <laughs> Who invented peanut butter, like learned it over and over. Um, so I think I had a very like the cookie cutter American way of like learning Black History Month until I came to college and I started deliberately putting myself in spaces where like I could learn more. Um, and I think last year was kind of when Black History Month really kind of meant more than like that same cookie cutter. Mm. Um, situation and it was my second year in college so yeah so I was pretty lucky I also learned at a pretty young age as well Um, also got the um, I got the usual in school like second grade you know you know moving up through high school but I didn't really learn like a lot of what I know now until I had to take like an AP US history because like the usual classes didn't really teach you everything about black history and then on my own, like through my family, like they would always, you know, have some like documentary or something that me, my sister and everyone would watch together. And I learned through that also. That was more through um, high school. So, you know, in a way, I was pretty blessed to learn a lot. That's cool. That's really cool. Oh, I have a question too, mm-hmm. though. So what is something that you know now that you wish you had learned mm. growing up about black history? That's a good one. Black Wall Street. Yeah. I wish I had learned about Black Wall Street. Would you explain that briefly? So I don't know all the specific details, but I know that um, black people used to own like pretty much like Wall Street that you kind of see today. We had Mm -hmm. our own little thing, our own town. We had you know own stores and everything was black owned. Mm -hmm. And then, as per usually happened, you know white people came and destroyed it. So they just set the whole town ablaze. They burned the shit down, (laughs) like like they usually do. Yeah, wasn't it in Oklahoma? I want to say it was in Oklahoma. I believe so. Um, what about you guys? Um, my senior year of high school, I had to write a very long paper about anything we wanted, so I chose the Boston busing desegregation mm. crisis because mm. I'm from Massachusetts, and I just wish I had learned that Massachusetts isn't as liberal as mm-hmm. it actually seems. Because my paper was basically proving that Massachusetts was very secretly racist, but in the 
view of the rest of the United States. Mm-hmm. They're this very liberal mm-hmm. state. And it was just so false. And all my life, I believed that Massachusetts was such a non-racist, liberal state. But it's just so well hidden from the rest of the world mm-hmm. and the rest of the United States itself that we were just never taught that. And um, I think more people really have to learn the true history behind their state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was... I don't remember what I was watching or who I was ta- listening to, but they were talking about just how racist Boston was in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, we are never taught that. You never, you would never know that unless mm-hmm. you like you dig more it. into it. But yeah, go ahead, Ashley. Um, I think I recently, like last semester, I learned about the Young Lords, like the Young Lords Party, which is kind of like the Puerto Rican Black Panthers. Mm. And I like really wish that I had learned about that history. I learned about it from like a fellow student in my so like social work class. He did a presentation. I had a presentation on Black Panthers and like so he went right after me and I was like, whoa, yeah. what is this? <laughs> the young lord. Like, okay. So um it kind of drove me to learn a little bit more. And um I like really never thought of history like such explicit like Latinx and black tied history like existing mm-hmm. as one. So I think that was something that like had me shook. Mm-hmm. So I still have to learn more, but had I learned that at a younger age, like there were political parties made up by people who looked and like celebrated the same cultures as me, I think that would have been really cool to learn. How do you reconcile, how do you reconcile learning like about white people and white history and just whiteness in general with never necessarily learning about your blackness? Mm-hmm. So I think like, I think an institution like ours, like U of M, you can't always find that in the classroom. But I think if you really utilize the work that students are doing on campus, mm-hmm. um, I've been a lot more active during this Black History Month going to events. And um, even if it's like one a week, I think acknowledging that there are people in your place who are like doing the work to spread that information um, and you you yourself should do that research. But if you find yourself in a position that you can't, like really looking to your fellow peers who are able to put on events and do research, write papers, um, write articles online, who spread words on social media. Like, I think that has been the biggest like consciousness raising that has happened to for me has been through the people I interact with, especially black students here on our campus, because I think the administration and like the university just doesn't acknowledge the, all of the work that like black students do on this mm-hmm. campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and educating each other is a huge one. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest ways that I reconcile with like not being able to learn the, in the inst- in an institutionalized way. It's mm-hmm. kind of through discussions and talking and listening um, to other students like me. Also be what Ashley was saying, you know, kind of reconcile with the people you surround yourself with, mm. you know. So that's kind of, you know, how I feel. You know, I remember I came here um, sophomore year. I was at University of Miami freshman year. And, you know, it's like brand new campus. Like, I've always wanted to go here, but everything's brand new to me. It's like I'm starting over again. Yeah. So I had to find, you know, people I trust, you know, in order to, you know, find, you know, people uncomfortable with and also, you know, on the aspect of learning about black history. Yeah, I heard that too. <laughs> um, but like I've joined clubs like ASA, you know, mm-hmm. African Studies Association, um, stuff like that. Um, I met you and Alexis yeah. and 
you know, after making the studies, you know, things like that, you know. We would be in the back of the class just learning new things. Right. We'd be like, oh, Going God. You guys are too excited about learning. <laughs> like, Almost <yeah>. every class. <laughs> it was like that every class. But it's things like that, you yeah. know, forming those connections and yeah. then you learn together. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it makes things more fun also, you know, it makes mm-hmm. them stronger. I have. Do you all feel like as like black Americans, as Afro Latina Latinos, as Africans, as Caribbean people, um, do you think we're more disconnected or connected? Do you feel like there's mo- more room for unity? I guess, or how do we get to that point? Um, I think there's definitely more room for unity. Like when I think about this question, I think about like our country and regions. Mm. Like being from the Midwest, like. Um, there's a, like a lot of separation in my opinion. Like I have family from New York and like everybody and their mama like talks to each other in New York. Mm-hmm. Like they all love each other and hate each other all at the same time. <laughs> like there's no discrimination in that way, at least amongst like the black community, mm-hmm. people of color in general. Mm-hmm. But I think in the Midwest, there's like a disconnect. And I think personally, I live in this really spe- like weird space where like I grew up culturally, like Dominican, like Hispanic is like what we called it in my household. And, like I did grow up around like other black people, but it was different because mm-hmm. we were listening to different music. Mm-hmm. We were eating different foods, having different experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't like it was kind of weird because I didn't really tie think of my Dominican identity as like black and Latina mm-hmm. um, until I really came to college where I suddenly had to start picking spaces to be in was mm-hmm. I gonna go to BSU mm-hmm. or was I gonna go to the Latinx org La Casa mm-hmm. and then having to like navigate that space um, made me feel like there wasn't unity mm-hmm. um, because like I couldn't easily find like other Afro-Latino students mm-hmm. um, and then I couldn't easily identify with like students who are of different like cultural backgrounds but like kind of receive the same kind of di- discrimination or backgrounds mm-hmm. like as me so it was really interesting i think there's definitely room for like more unity um and like pushing yourself to talk to people outside of your own even your own like black bubble right you should quote that black bubble (laughs) get out your black bubble guy (laughs) no i think that's really important um i think that we get comfortable around the people that we grow up around around our culture around what we eat, uh, around how we talk or what we do, just in general, our customs. And I believe that it's important to, like you said, go and talk to someone else who's also black, but they might not be. Uh, so, like, I'm black American. Like, okay, let me go talk to someone who's not black American. Like, let me go talk to someone who's African so I can be like, okay, cool. Like, what are your customs? Like, what are you doing? You know? Mm-hmm. And so that we can, and we can have that exchange. But if we don't do that, then I feel like, we're still gonna be like, okay, well, I'm this and I'm that, and at the end of the day, we all black. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think a lot of times we forget that. Uh, but yeah, did you guys have anything to say to that point about unity? It's okay if you don't. <laughs> um. Well, I guess just based on my personal experience, like from middle school, like onward, I was in private school, so mm. finding finding. Black friends. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. I remember when I was um younger in elementary school, I was lucky to have like one black neighbor that I always used to hang out with. Mm-hmm. But that was it. Mm-hmm. You wow. know, and also, you know, when it comes to teachers, like how many black how many black we teachers will get have you to had? That. 
<laughs> like I can count on my on one hand how many black dudes I've had in my life, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just things like things like that. And luckily, I was, you know, able to like visit family. I had a good family, you know, able to see them, you know, every year for holidays and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But like growing up and going to your question, I think there is definitely room for improvement. You know, especially how times have changed. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly with you know events that happen. So yeah. I think there's always room for improvement. Yeah. Did you have anything? Though? You don't have to. It's okay. <laughs> um, I genuinely believe that our community is very. We're not unified at all, especially through colorism. Because yeah. I feel like the lighter you are on the spectrum, the less people believe you are part of the community. Mm-hmm. But they're more accepting of your attributes. Mm-hmm. While if you're dark on the spectrum, then you're more part of the community. But then you're isolated because you're so dark. That is interesting. So yeah. That's it's so true. Oh my goodness! Keep talking. It's just this idea that. Yes, we're all black, but we're all black to a certain extent mm. based on how you're judging them. Mm. And I think yeah. we have to stop doing that because mm. until we can be all collectively as a community the same and like view each other mm. equally, then we can't go out into the world and fight for mm-hmm. this and fight mm-hmm. for that. Because if we're divided among us, then we don't have that mm-hmm. strength and numbers necessary to mm-hmm. really get what we want. Yeah. Yeah, that is so real. Like, I think, especially women who look like me, I think something that I realize is, like, as a lighter black woman, I have to recognize that I have a privilege, um, especially when we're talking in colorism, um, and that I really didn't discover my blackness until, like, I was late in high school coming to college. Mm -hmm. And, like, some people, you come out of the womb and you are black, like, Mm -hmm. and the world sees you that way. Mm -hmm. So I think it's kind of miraculous that, like, I could walk through my life not really thinking of myself as black, mm-hmm. especially because, like, my Dominican culture, people deny their blackness all the time. So, like, I think it it's really important for everybody to be de- doing their work, um, especially if you are on that lighter side and, like, recognizing that you walk, you are walking in the same space, like, with discrimination, but, like, you can get thing, more things accomplished in, like, a place where white people conquer, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to like yeah we are all black but there is like that difference um and recognizing it is really important too in our work um to that point something else that i wanted to touch mm-hmm. on um there's just a lot of anti-black sentiment throughout yeah. within bla- within blackness there's anti-black sen- sentiment and just in general mm-hmm. um when you're talking about like how a lot of dominicans are you know they say they're not black can you speak to that do you what do you like why do you think that is or and then for the rest of the group like what where do you th- where do you think this anti-black sentiment comes from? I really think it's like this white supremacy that mm-hmm. we live in, like yeah. colonialism, mm-hmm. all of the history. It, it's really deeply rooted in the way that we think about ourselves. Like I've met Dominicans, like my godfather is one of the darkest men that I know, and he will like separate. He does n- is not black in his own eyes, and I mm-hmm. don't understand that. But then I understand, and like he'll criticize me for growing out my natural hair. Mm-hmm. He'll like say That's things like. Um, ese caco tuyo just means like that raggedy ass head of yours like and um so I'll like wonder like what is, where is this hate coming from and I really think it's just the need to please or um, be more white mm. um, I think a lot of 
uh, Dominicans inspired to just be like almost like Spaniards, like the white mm. Spanish, mm-hmm. um, because they see opportunity there. Mm. Like it's almost kind of like who can assimilate the easiest, the fastest, so that we can get out of the situation that we're in, like economically. Um, being on the island isn't like the best thing. Like if you have lighter skin and you're on the island, you have way more opportunity. Mm. Like you can be a lawyer, you can be a doctor. But if you're dark, like, or even like Haitian, like in the Dominican Republic, like that, those are like things that you could die over. Like you could be killed over, like, especially with like femicide in the island. Like if you're darker, you're much more of like a target. Wow. Um, and I think it has, it's just this weird white supremacy that like mm-hmm. is taking over. And like people think that whiteness equals opportunity, which is success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I think. My, I believe that that honestly comes from like just generations upon generations mm-hmm. of trauma, you know, from <sighs> like, <laughs> like back from you know, back like all the way back to slavery. I think it yeah. really started mm-hmm. then because you know they took us away mm-hmm. from our families and then they set us against each other, mm-hmm. and then you know just years down the line they set themselves on this pedestal that's like unreachable, mm-hmm. you know, and then when we try to reach it. Like we're pushing and shoving other people away, like yeah. crabs in the barrel, you know um, that sort of thing. I think that also goes back to the point where we're like you were saying, also like we're not unified. Yeah, we're not. Um, <laughs> but that also was strategically planned. It was <laughs> like, very strategic. It was strategic. They were like, oh, "We're gonna pop you right here. Then we're gonna bring you all the way to this part of the world, and then we're gonna pop you right here." You think about so, it. It's terrible what they did. Mm-hmm. But then, damn, they knew what they were doing. Like, yeah, honestly. I read a book, The Underground Railroad, um, and it I didn't realize anything, but that book made me see so much more trauma than I had ever learned. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important that people who aren't black, like I don't I'm not black, but I we have to know everything, you know, and like we have to respect everyone and we have to like stand up for each other too. Mm-hmm. So it's important for us to take accountability for that, just by learning more through it. Mm-hmm. I think a big step in conquering this idea of supremacy is, as we were talking about before, education. Mm -hmm. So being educated about white history and black history, Mm -hmm. it'll equalize and show people that, yes, white people have done all this, but black people have done equally just that amount. Mm -hmm. So it's going to start fixing this idea in people's mind that, White people have achieved so much, but black people have achieved so little. And that's why it's better to be on the lighter spectrum or to be white and to be anti-black mm-hmm. because you're you're not learning about all those black achievements and black inventions There's that so are so mm-hmm. yeah. pivotal to our current environment. So once we start equalizing the amount that we're learning about white history and black history, I think that's when it'll start becoming less anti-black and people will be more accepting to be black and not see it as like oh i'm black not many achievements but like oh i'm white so many mm-hmm. yeah, and on the point about you know like recognizing all the achievements you know that black people have made i think we gotta understand you know like just how important all those achievements were like i rem- i know i see like sometimes on twitter well like you'll see like those posts where like i'm not my ancestors have you seen that before mm-hmm. And I, I've seen 
Like, like that's like in response <laughs> Wait, to what? that's in response to like you know civil rights movement, right? Mm-hmm. How that was generally seen as like peaceful. Oh, so people like, are like, oh yeah, you can, people you wanna... can t- catch these hands. Right yeah, there. so kind of okay. like that. But I think we have to understand and be respectful of like you know how far we come and like all the all the things that you know, our past ancestors like, yeah. did. Like, what if Rosa Parks? Didn't didn't do that. Didn't, yeah. What if Rosa Parks didn't <laughs> sit in the front? Why we still, she, would, what if she we moved, still would be in the back today. What if she moved in the back? And those blue buses. Exactly. Like, I, 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 I'm sorry. Oh, but it's like, things like that, like those moments in time of history, we have to be yeah. really appreciative of that. we as like college students as young adults decolonize our minds when it might not necessarily be what our parents or grandparents or family members believe like how do how you how do you go about that i think you have to go about things like that through a clear lens right so you gotta have like your why you know you gotta start asking those questions and you gotta try to understand respectfully mm-hmm you know, when it comes to, like, you know, having those sorts of conversations with your parents or whatnot. But I think also you got to have those tough conversations. Yeah. You know, you got to have those, you got to have those nights where, you know, there might be, there might be some yelling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there might I've be. Those. Yeah, you know, there might be some, might some be some things you might regret, but you got to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, no one, no one likes, no one wants it to be that way, but that's reality. Yeah. You know, you gotta have those tough conversations if you want to try and move forward. You know, with the conversation. For me, my mom, she's the one that's always been like, "Oh, you can't wear that. You can't have your hair like that," mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But I understand that it's coming from a place from a place of love, and that mm-hmm. she just fears that mm-hmm. I won't be mm-hmm. have the opportunity to be as successful as I truly can be. So from my understanding of that, I just politely fight back of it. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a that sophomore. Was so sweet. I'm sorry. <laughs> so when I was a sophomore in high school, I was so sick of having permed relaxed hair. So I just chopped it all off. Ooh. And but I always have worn braids, like mm-hmm. all my life basically. Mm-hmm. And because I have the most tender head that if you touch my hair, oh I'll start crying. So oh. it's just easier to have my hair braided than to deal with anything mm-hmm. else. But for events like prom and graduations, there was like this time like, oh, are you going to relax your hair? No. <laughs> are you going to relax your hair? No. <laughs> you know? So it's just kind of like fighting back. So like she'd ask me, like, oh, are you going to relax your hair now? And I'd say no. And that'd be that so it's over time she stopped asking now because she knows that my answer will be no mm-hmm. and now it's my brother's my younger brother's turn and he um he likes having his hair a little bit longer not just like a one mm-hmm. shaved all the way down and um that's been a really big battle between the two of them my brother has been trying to advocate for himself and be like i like my hair like this and no it's not going to stop me from getting this job or having this coach like me and um mm-hmm. i am strong enough within mm-hmm. myself that um my character will hold true 
and get me through whatever situation I have to be in and my hair won't define me. Yeah. And he's just having yeah. to advocate him for, for himself in that way that his slightly longer hair isn't going to stop him from having any opportunity because he will, if he has to make up for it, he will. And if he doesn't, he won't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah, um, I really think that that's like important to recognize is like um, kind of being persistent. But I also like realize like family can be a little, I don't want to say always toxic, but it can be toxic to have to deal with that all the time. So I think when it comes to talking to your family and your elders, like having respect for what they're saying, but also taking time to process. Because sometimes, like, when they say something, it can have you shook. And, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like there, there's some things. Well, do my I mom, have a story for you? <laughs> <laughs> my mom, like, I don't know if she understands the concept of, like, body positivity. So, like, sometimes she'd be going oh, in on no. me. So, like, it, it's important to, like, take care of yourself when you're having these conversations, too. And, like, <sighs> to that point. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, my my grandmothers, my both my grandmothers and then my great-grandmother on my mom's side mm-hmm. sat me down over Christmas break, and they were like, don't let yourself go. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what are you, what are you, t-? I was like, I'm actually taking care of myself now, guys. <laughs> like, what do you mean? So happy. But it's just because, like, I don't, I don't subscribe to the brand of femininity mm-hmm. that they think is fit, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy to me, but that's a whole mm-hmm. other story, but yeah. When it comes to like body positivity, like my grandma ha- holds nothing back. It's just like, mm-hmm. whoo, when you gonna lose some weight? I was just mm-hmm. saying, like, what? Like in front of the whole, <laughs> yeah, in front the of the community, right? Like the, <laughs> the entire family. And so I think, yeah, I, I really do believe that you have to take care of yourself. I I think your like narrative with your um, grandmother like definitely resonates with me. Like my mom is much older; she's like hitting sixty five soon. Um, so, like, I was her baby. I was the only girl, too. So, whew, you already know. Um, so, like, I think there is definitely this big generational gap between us. And, like, my friends would be having interactions with their family members, their parents that I wouldn't be really having. Just because it's kind of like my mom could be my grandma. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when I'm talking with her, there's just kind of, like, this moment where, like, you have to trust me. Um like you built me into who I am today literally like yo jeans like that's me right here (laughs) like I'm I am you and you have done the best that you can to like put me in the position that I am and like I know I can do great things and it's just a thing of trust like I I understand that if you would walk around the way that I walk around now back when you were my age like that wouldn't be safe but it's Mm. times have changed Mm. and um I think there's just like this level of trust that my mom has learned to have for what I do over time. And like that has kind of been what keeps me going and our relationship healthy. Um, And I I think it's something that everyone should aspire to like is have trust. Like even if they may not trust you, you have to trust that they want the best for you. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I like how you put that. Like you have to trust, you know, trust me. and I think that's really hard for parents in general mm-hmm. across the board. I think it's hard for parents to let go. I think it's really hard for my mom to let go and see that your children are basically adults mm-hmm. and that they have to move through the world how they want to move through the world. Mm-hmm. And you can't do anything about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to let them you let the little birdies fly <laughs> and like get out the dust. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I do. I really like what you said about that. Like 
just trust me. Mm-hmm. Also wanted to hint this is kind of going a little left. But I find that blackness is something that everybody wants until they don't mm-hmm. want it. Um, (laughs) specifically, okay, I'm going to preface this, because growing up, I was a Hannah Montana stan, y'all. Y'all, I was, I was, I was a Hannah Montana stan. (laughs) I love me. I know where this is going. Let me ride front, like, (laughs) do, 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 like, that was me. The climb? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we gonna be another. Yes, yeah. yes, that was me. I watched all the movies. Yeah. <laughs> I was on like my like my mom can tell you like <laughs> I had the sets and everything. Yep. Like you I had the, the slippers. Car. Yes, I was like Hannah Montana saying. Remember they had the crossover. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Like that was on me. Then when Hannah Montana went into when Smiley Cyrus went into what was that with the Jay Z? <laughs> what song was that? Are you talking about party like, in the USA? Oh, and I was like, okay, that was that was my I was that was I was with that too. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> then <laughs> Miley and like I do I don't mind Miley Cyrus like I really don't I I like how she sings like Jolene that's my shit y'all <laughs> like I know it's a Dolly song but that's my shit. But anyway, so now so we went from like Hannah Montana we went to party in the USA then we went to straight like. I'm in the club mm-hmm. with my Mike, Jays Mike on. Mike Will made it. Mike song. Will made it. Like, mm-hmm. high off perk. We went to, like, black women twerking Jays in your video. You slap oh, in their, yeah. like, yep. asses. Yep. And now we're off that. <laughs> <laughs> no now, repercussions. No, like, nothing. And we made a lot of money Absolutely off of that. Nothing. And now we're back to singing Jolene. Jolene. <laughs> you know? And I... The stuff on some of them things on bankers, I was like, this banks. Um, to be uh-huh. honest, like I'm not even gonna lie, but she's just one example. And like I said, I don't have anything against Miley Cyrus, but how, why, why is why do why do you think people feel like they can pick up our shit and then drop it off when they want to? Because as black people, we can't pick up our shit and then drop it off. Mm-hmm. It's a privilege thing, you know. It looks cool. Mm-hmm. No, you know. Um, in this world, definitely, you know, this generation, what's black is cool. Mm-hmm. You know, they see that and they gravitate towards it, and then they come from a place of privilege, and they can just do whatever they seem to just do whatever they want with it. You know, and there's no repercussions mm-hmm. to it. And that's the annoying thing about it. And like everyone's fascinated mm-hmm. with blackness, like um, with like what our cultures produce, but not with what like we suffered through. Mm-hmm. And what comes with it? They yeah, yeah. Never know, they never want what comes with it. And I could I could definitely elaborate on this, like especially living in like a Latinx space a lot of the time. Like everybody and their mama wants to say the N word, but um, <laughs> and and like reggaeton has turned into like a very white looking genre when it started like with Black Panamanians like creating the music, and now it's kind of like our white looking bad bunnies, J Balvins, and like. Um, and then we got Sakashi six nine. Um, <laughs> that I don't understand. So like, okay, no, going yeah. that's a whole but other conversation. Not, but like, gonna get into that. It makes money, and like, nah. th- it's the it thing. It's money. you can make money, and then when you don't like it anymore, you can walk away from it. Um, yeah. and it's it's like everyone's fascinated with like the culture, mm-hmm. um, and what it can produce like money wise, monetarily, mm-hmm. but not with kind of the consequences of ex- like being authentically black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think with that, we're just so far excluded that 
they'd rather have white people take on black traits of music rather than having a black person mm-hmm. take on their black traits of music. And it's the idea that it's just the supremacy idea that they have they have the ability to take it on because they can and black people can't because they can't mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. yeah the the idea of supremacy and it's just so wrong in my mind yeah, yeah. i think it should be so wrong in everyone's mind but that's yeah. not if you're northern <laughs> <laughs> and i think it's the um, the consumers have a lot to do with it too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because if less people were accepting of these white artists then they wouldn't be as popular as they are Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we are so quick to accept and so and we so easily just turn a blind eye Mm -hmm. that we're not realizing that black people should be making this music and white people shouldn't Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying like i think you you, obviously you have freedom to sing what you want Mm -hmm. and all that type of stuff but there's some wonderful white artists who sing traditionally black things Mm -hmm. but at the same time they pay homage Mm -hmm. to the black people who made those genres yeah i think it's like this might sound a little controversial but it's like an extension of like the ideology behind like slavery Mm -hmm. and like black people are producing these things Mm -hmm. and like white people are capitalizing and Mm -hmm. like taking the money and like taking all the gain Mm -hmm. um and it's kind of like black people are producing like these songs this genre this like market these dance moves and then like white people non-black communities can come in and swoop it and um make money off of it like with this whole like my boyfriend's in the video games so i like i've been on the political Same side here. so like fortnite <laughs> fortnite fortnite's been out here like <laughs> yeah. yeah the hype money whatever yeah. that shit is called <laughs> yeah not just fortnite but video games the swipe you mean yeah, the, the millie rock <laughs> 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 so like, and then and what makes me mad is like the other day my boyfriend was playing fortnite and then i see like that marshmallow dude the artist marshmallow yeah. they put his costume in there called it marshmallow and he's making money off of it mm-hmm. so i was like <gasps> what what <laughs> wow. and now like they're in court fighting yeah. this and i'm like you are literally they're stealing you are taking me. black culture and making money off of it and not giving credit and mm-hmm. that's Slavery? <laughs> How do we combat that? That might be a that's a loaded question, Ugh. but what do we do to combat that? Just to start, we gotta start owning some stuff. That's true. Yeah, we gotta start having black owned things. Mm-hmm. You know. Like that's just yeah. somewhere to start, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, and then how do you own things it's right. like you gotta get through like these yeah. institutions these like going groups. to college yeah. Yeah. and then you gotta get a job <laughs> and then you gotta so like there is this institutional yeah. like sentiment like there's mm-hmm. there's bigger things working mm-hmm. here like i i hate to say it but like the five of us probably couldn't fix this on our own mm-hmm. you know no, no. no, no, no I, don't, I don't think it, we can so <laughs> no 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 not at all I'm with this because I think a lot of times we talk about our oppression. We talk about, oh, shit, like all this bullshit around being black. But I think we also need to talk about the goodness of being black and what we enjoy so much about it. So my question is, what about blackness 
just like mesmerizes you what about blackness you're just like wow like i like being black because of this like i just love being blackity black 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 (laughs) (laughs) i think it just makes me so interesting and happy and i think part of that is because i grew up in such like a black space like going to school and where i'm from the city where i'm from so i'm just so proud to be black because i'm different and I know the accomplishments I have and the potential I have. And there's just so much deeply rooted in me and my culture that I just couldn't imagine being anything besides black because what what would what would I be? Like mm-hmm. who would I be? Would I have the same morals, the same culture, the same enormous family, the the what? And it's just this idea of like community and being outcasted but learning from it and there's so many experiences that you get from being black that I don't think you get being of a different race and I just so 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 appreciate that and I love that about being black yeah I feel like like just being black just makes me feel whole you know <laughs> just <laughs> but <laughs> yeah I, I feel complete you know, just like, you know, growing up, you know, especially from my father's side, you know, we always always had that, you know, someone says, you know, Nigeria is, you know, it's like home away from home. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you weren't born there, but mm-hmm. that's where you're from, you yeah. know. So, like, just having that connection with that part of my family and then just, you know, being blessed enough to, you know, grow up with other black people, you know, friends and family who have, you know, been there to support me, like, to where I am now. Mm-hmm. I just feel whole. And also, like, I wouldn't, I can't imagine being anyone else. Yeah. And I just feel like if I was someone else, I wouldn't have the same experience or the same morals. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, you know, have the life lessons that I had if mm-hmm. I were anyone else. So, yeah, I think what mm-hmm. makes me so happy to be black is like my resourcefulness and my aware, like, my awareness of like who I am, mm-hmm. the space I take up, the thing, the ideas I can create. Um, the way I see a picture is like so different than another person and I think I am such an asset when I like go somewhere when I'm in a space and like being able to kind of identify that in myself and like it took a while to get there but just I like identifying my blackness as like this amazing resource that will take me places um even though like it's not always wanted everywhere like Mm -hmm. it's a part of me and I'm gonna go wherever the hell I want so it's Mm -hmm. gonna come with me um so I think it's just very empowering and then always knowing that you've got a community always like mm-hmm. there for you is like the most beautiful part i think my favorite part about being black goes back to that community aspect uh i feel like when we're all together in one space on one accord i sound like i'm preaching <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but when we're all together in one space on one accord it's just magical and you just feel this is something I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it's 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 just surreal. It's almost spiritual. It is spiritual. No, it's spiritual. We're all coming together from different parts of that the diaspora, from our different upbringings. But when we're all together and we're we're you know a song comes on and we all know what to do, and it's just like, how does this happen? Like, why are we all in unison? <laughs> <laughs> why are we all moving to the beat at the same time? Like. <laughs> 
what is going on? We don't even know each other. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know you. I don't know him. But we're, we're, we're all, yeah, so I think it's just that connection that we have, that unspoken connection that I love about being black. Our artist of color this week is Micheline Thomas. She is a black New York-based artist and went to Pratt and Yale, and she's most known for her paintings, collages, photography, video, and installations that draw on art history and pop culture to create a vision of female sexuality, beauty, and power. More information can be found on her website, which we're gonna link in the bio. If you love this episode, don't forget to comment, rate, subscribe, and share our podcast, which is on Apple Podcasts. And we will see you next week. And don't forget to pass the mic.